Welcome to the good life. Welcome to the good life. The wait is over. Welcome to the good life. And after all the talk, all I gotta say is Welcome to the good life. You're welcome. Hello and welcome to the Point of Difference podcast or the Pod Pod. We are back for our second season and excited to jump back into the NRL Supercoach. I'm your host and coach of the Terrace Crew, Matt Ricks. With one year in the bag, we had to look deep, deep with inside to decide if we we're going to be coming back, uh, if we we're going to be one season wonders or if we we're going to be coming back for that sweet second season syndrome. Over a few quiet beers and some golf, we were united to come back and give it another crack for 2023. Away from the players sticking up for themselves in the collective bargaining agreement saga, it's been a relatively quiet off-season by modern-day NRL standards. That was till early this morning in the nation's capital. We're recording on Sunday the 5th of February, and earlier today, Jack White and Latrell got in a bit of a scuffle for Jack's birthday. They were celebrating together. Not your usual uh, night out for anyone, but NRL, it's not too, uh, not too far off the radar. One man not shy of a scuffle in days gone by is two-time top 100 NRL Supercoach finisher and 2014 third-place overall finisher, coach of the Casa Bonitas, Danny Boy Ricks. Danny, welcome back to the Pod Pod for 2023. Yeah, thanks, Matty. Uh, I didn't know that news, but uh, I think I think I had Latrell locked into my side, but I'll, I'll have to see what unfolds there. But yeah, nonetheless, I'm very, very excited for this year, uh, coming off a very, very disappointing year. Last year, I think, you know, the pod inspired me to to be a bit too ultra pod last last time. So I think a little bit more conservative for, to start the year this year and, uh, yeah, looking forward to hopefully cracking the top 100 once again. Yeah, so it, you mentioned you were finding out just waking up in London, but, yeah, uh, Jack and Latrell got in a fight against each other and uh, apparently it wasn't much in it, but they both got arrested. Latrell, <laughs> Latrell resisted arrest. Uh, and they're appeared uh, due in ACT Magistrates Court sometime later this, this month. But uh, they should be fine, I think, for round one. Could be nice for the Sharks, actually, if Latrell got a week. Not, maybe not so nice for Supercoach, but them's the breaks. Uh, we're also joined by a man whose sparkling late-season form lifted him to around 1,700th overall last year. I think his second-highest finish ever. But um, unfortunately for him, he couldn't carry that form out onto the golf course over Christmas Coach of Tubes' Pods or Tubes' Raptors. I'm not sure what you're going with in 2023, Tubes, but welcome back to the Pod Pod. Yeah, cheers, Matt. Uh, I'm certainly happy to be back. I was pulled pulled in kicking and screaming, but the millions of fans out there, a few letters, a couple of love letters over the off-season sort of drew me back. It was worth come, come back for a shout. Um, it was nice looking back at the history, seeing last year was my second best ever year and and beating Dan home and then realizing that he's had two top 100 years. And, but this, I'm feeling like this is the year for Tubes' pod. This will be the year of the pod this year. Uh, what about the golf course? Um, yeah. I, are we talking about that or who, who, it's, it's, I think that's an off season. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Quick, quick, quick shout pod out. Season. No, 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 no. That was the bet. That was the bet for last year for Queenstown. Yeah. So we didn't do any in Queenstown. Um, we ended up all away together with Dad on the Mornington Peninsula, which was pretty nice, and we had a couple of a couple of games. Um, look, I think I held up my end of the bargain. Um, I, I <laughs> big bombs down the middle. Um, it was a the, the, we we were really rattled. I remember the first first day it was me and Dad versus you two, and we turned up 
on the first tee and you guys weren't there and dad was already steaming and then he'd rattled me and what'd you end up beating us? They, you beat us by what? Six five holes on that? Five and four. <laughs> five and four. We birdied that first <laughs> hole too. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you guys were too good on the week and uh, beat us in, in Supercoach last year. So we paid and paid for you to beat us. So it was a beauty. Yeah, it was a really good couple of weeks down there in the peninsula and good to have Dan over from London. Um, I also spent uh, a fair bit of the off-season playing a bit of BBL Supercoach and uh, that went all right. I finished eighth overall after after being in the top three for a fair bit of the season. Um, one thing, um, kind of what you touched on before, Dan, about how you went a bit too pot at the end of last season. Um, being up ranked that high, and I'm hoping that I can get a chance at the NRL this season, one thing I learned was you don't really need to worry too much about what those around you are doing. There's enough There's enough decisions and moves happening that I think the key is just to look after your own backyard um, and making those decisions, which may seem bland. But um, And I know this isn't in line with our Pod Pod brand, but and I'm sure I'm sure it's not going to stick true forever. But I I, I think that, uh, that what I took away from it was was being sort of dot ball and bland from you know most of the time actually helped and and there was the times when I went away from that 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 actually cost me a couple of things cost me. But we won't go too far into that. But I was pretty proud of myself. First top ten finishing any former super coach. So um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll try and replicate for NRL. What about the guy? He finished. It was back to back champs in that this year. So. Um, I don't think that'll ever happen in the NRL, but that was pretty pretty nuts. Incredible, incredible. I listened to him on a um, on an SC Playbook podcast. He sounded like a smart guy. Had a very clear plan, which is I think is something that's a bit underrated. Like he had specific things that he would do or not do um, based on different permutations and um, a few rules, which he said he wasn't totally stringent to, but they help guide his decision making and uh, certainly something to think about. Heading into heading to this season of NRL, do we want to do a quick recap on on how twenty twenty two ended up panning out for all of us? Tubes, I'll start with you. We mentioned seventeen hundredth overall. Were you happy with that in the end? Oh yeah, in the end, I didn't do any good in my head to heads though um, to finish off the year, unfortunately. So that was a bit disappointing. I finished thirty six sixty four. And at one stage during the season, I was blown all the way out to uh, a ranking in the in the fifteen thousands. So I'm happy to claw my way back over the last few rounds to three thousand six hundred. But need a fast start this year. Oh, geez, I'm scrolling back up. What am I talking about? I started last year seventy eight thousandth in the in round one, and then didn't get in top the crack the top thirty thousand until round eight last year. So need the fast start this year. It's all about it. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and we spoke a lot start. about last year. Yeah, we spoke a lot about last year. You were uh, going to – you've traditionally been a head-to-head player. Is it is it back to overall classic mode again uh, for you this season? Oh, we'll see how it pans out. I'll be uh, I'll be going for overall and then switch to a head-to-head uh, if, if I'm not doing too well throughout the year. What about you, Dan? How did you finish up? Uh, to finish last year, I know you were uh, you were cursing yourself for most of the second half of the season. Yeah, just looking back at the history now, very very disappointing finish, um, seven thousand five hundred and seventy two. I think looking back at the history over the last eight years, I had a few few seasons off after a couple of good ones, but I think it's my second lowest finish ever. Uh, and I thought, would have thought the time we spend 
uh, looking over Supercoach and doing the podcast would have helped, but I think it's gone the other way. It looks like uh, the buyers really killed me this year, so I thought my planning was decent. Few few injuries around around the buy time, and I had a very very low score that first buy, and then kind of just goes worse from there. So uh, yeah, as you said, I think maybe a little bit little bit more conservative, few sort of more stringent rules in place early on. There's a few new rules which we'll talk about as well, which might help those those buy rounds out a little bit, just just to just to add a little bit more security, so there's not as much volatility with uh, with injuries. So, yeah, really looking uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully get back to the top 100 ranks. You mentioned that that fast start is just so crucial. It's very you know makes it a lot easier coming from from high up in the ranks early on. I was 47,000th to start the year and. Uh, got inside the top 1K in round eight and then uh, reached a year-high ranking of 84 in round 11 and then sort of just petered around in the two, three, four hundreds uh, for pretty much the rest of the year, drifted back out to 698 and then finished 484, which is my best finish ever. Um, but that's two years in a row now I've got inside the top 100 um, in the late part of the first half of the season and couldn't see it through. So, yeah, it's... um. It's exciting to have um, had a little bit bit of experience up at the higher ranks in BBL, and as I said, I'm going to try and draw on that as much as as much as possible for the NRL this season. In terms of our format for this year, so we've we we realised uh, that three full time employed, um, oh, I wouldn't say we're middle aged yet. Uh, we'll say young men. You uh, maybe with, you well are. with well with kids. Yeah, maybe I'm I'm, I'm getting up there a little bit uh, uh, with kids, and and we we. Uh, we, as I said, we had a bit of a think about whether we were coming back, but we, we couldn't really. We, we had to give it another go. Um, but I'm pleased to announce that uh, this season we're going to be having a few more regular guests on. So um, regular listeners would know uh, Jono from Canberra. He's going to be coming back on for the season, so you'll hear his voice a lot. And also Chris um, from down there in Barry, uh, both very, very experienced Supercoach players with some with a very different perspective. So they're going to be on quite regularly, and we're also going to have a few other guests, um, some who were on last year and some who weren't. So, yeah, really looking forward to the format this year. We're going to be we're going to stick to the the same tone, trying to take a bit of a different view on things from what you might hear in regular, let's call it mainstream media, um, Supercoach Pod. Uh, so we'll keep trying to be Pod where possible um, and trying to bring that different perspective. Really, really pumped for the season. Uh, I'm already about uh, 82 drafts in. Um, for my team for the year, um, and it's looking looking. It's a, there's a few interesting variables, so we'll um, we'll get start, straight into it, Dan. Um, what about Andrew King? Put him in the circuit. Put him somewhere. He's too good for this game. Well, the juggler, the juggler's come out at Brookie. Rule changes for this year. What struck you in uh, in those couple? Of, it's, it's probably like one of the bigger um, shifts from Supercoach, um, given the Dolphins and the buys. Yeah, I think uh, obviously the first thing that stood out to me was the forty six trades. And obviously this year there's twenty seven rounds, so a few more, few more rounds on there. But uh, always like like a few more trades. Um, I think it probably probably means you can go hard a bit early perhaps uh, to fix up your side if you're, if you're struggling and on the back, back foot early. Uh, and I think I think we were doing the numbers and it leaves you with 11 trades. Needing to save, uh, needing to save 11 trades, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Saving those 11 trades through the season. 
Um, I think from, I think it was last year was the first introduction of the, um, the boost. I use them quite heavily, quite early. I think I'll probably save those for around that buy period now. Um, yeah, right. Than hopefully if I'm going all right, um, save them. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm not really sure. I haven't given a lot of thought to boost strategy, but I, I actually felt that using those boosts early to help set up the team, um, was quite, quite advantageous last year, but, um, it's obviously a slightly different structure this year. Tubes, um, the biggest change is the 13 players counting in buy rounds only. What was your take on that? It's been it's it's been a fairly polarizing rule change. Yeah, look, I, this is gonna be a little bit bland, but I just don't care. Like, I think it's it's good. <laughs> like, I, honestly, it's it's all about like I just want the season to kick off again, get a get a good start into it. In terms of 13, I think it makes sense because you're gonna have lots of buyers this year. I think it's a it's a rule chain that needed to sort of happen. They had to come up with something. I think it's okay. And I don't think it's going to make too big of a difference to the way that I'm going to go about Supercoach this year, to be honest. Just just thinking about it as well, probably from a uh, from an overall, not not going for overall, but more just the one-off weeks for winning the league. I know, I know a lot of people would kind of put sleeper teams in for that buy round. So they just stack that with 17. So I, I guess it's going to stop that a little bit. Uh, with only 13 players, so there'll be a lot more people with with full numbers playing. And I think when when you do the buy work anyway, very rarely would you have over 13 players for both buyers. Exactly. Paid. So I think working out to around 12 to 14 players was about your your best you could do, regardless. So I don't think it's going to change the the overall um, upper top guys. They're all going to be about you know 12 or 13 players, regardless. So. I think it's more probably just to stop that massive amounts of teams coming in, starting a new account for buy rounds, and um, hopefully someone who's been playing all season wins that uh, wins that weekly prize. There's also the extra buy round this year, so it's back to three three full buy rounds. Um, so that would have made it even tougher if they were counting seventeen on. So I don't mind it. I'm I still think it'll be quite hard to get thirteen decent players in each of those rounds. Um, and I don't think you'll see many teams that are, that are throwing out too many more than 13 in those weeks. It'll probably be a bit of a waste to be doing so, yeah. I think. Um, so um, one thing I've got to, that really threw me was how to use the VC captaincy that week. I I, I haven't got my head into that yet because um, I think VCs will be very important in those buy rounds um, as per usual and on the like buys in general. So obviously the Dolphins have come in this year, 17 teams, Um is there anything that you've sort of been thinking about so far in terms of like strategy for how you're going to approach, you know, players who are on early buyers or uh, if there's any going to be like impact for VC captaincy, captaincy loops or, you know, any other just general buy thoughts I don't, and musings? So there was really two things. One, I think things that come out of it is, yes, you can loop players um, because there's going to be players on the buy. And assuming that you can bring them in at at the end of, uh, they don't lock out until the end of the round. You can just bring them in at any time. That no, gives you won't. a good, yeah, that gives you a good um, loop option uh, to having people that are on the buy every week. So it potentially brings a little bit more into play. In saying that, yeah, I carried three or four NPRs in, into the season last year and I probably still didn't loop that much. So I really just think it's more the fact that you can possibly 
loop later in the in the week. It, it might be a factor of the buy. And yep. really, the second part is the number, which I'm, you hear on lots of pods, but um, is the number of plays that you're carrying in. So specifically, I was thinking about today the Roosters, and I think everyone's going to have B Smith. Whether or not you're going to have Teddy, I'm looking at Crichton. You sort of they have a buy in round four. Can how can you carry another gun of the Roosters in there? But once they do have that buy, then you then they're then you probably can carry a few more knowing um, that they, that they then sort of just go on the normal buy schedule. So it is going to be a bit interesting to, to who you start with to start the year. It's certainly hard to have three or more than three guns from a particular team sitting on the bench. Yeah, and Roosters is the most obvious one there, given they play. They've got the round four buy, and there are there are like there must be ten really good options to start with from the Roosters. So. Yeah, um, G's obviously locked in, and Teddy's in um, a ton of sides as well. So, yeah, yeah really. You're interesting not going to pod. Really interesting. Sam just another, la- just another. No, well, I mean, maybe you are. I mean, I, I mean, we'll get we'll get into some more positional deep dives later in the preseason. But yeah, like that's a he's he's got to be an option. There's, there, I mean, there's so many. It's it's been one of the, you know, listening to a bit of content and reading a bit of content in the preseason. That that's one of the biggest questions is how many super coach points can the Roosters actually score. Um, between all these gun players they've got, and with such a good draw as well, Dolphins round one. We got caught up a bit last year in the Roosters. I think we all went very, very heavy on them, uh, and they were very disappointing. Uh, I, you know, back end of the season last year, it looked like they'd switched their their team around again with Kiri going to the left edge. Uh, Crichton went absolutely superb after yep. that. Um, Teddy's always going to be rock solid, but I, I just don't think you can spend that much cash on them and have three or four guns out for that third round. I think given that you've got, you should be looking to use your trades uh, smartly around those buyers. So as you said, maybe, maybe getting a couple of roosters in for that round four, try to take them on for the first three rounds. Um, I certainly will only be having max three roosters, um, probably most likely two. And then and then try to look for some early on, and then you know it's it's a bit like can you take any of the Panthers on as well? They got the round three by I think, so uh, I think you've got to got to be strategic uh, given those buys early, particularly the early games. Yeah, I think that's the key. The early it should get easier as the season goes on, to because your squads will be a bit deeper. But when there's you know it's the cheapy scene hasn't really um, emerged yet, and so. We could end up with a lot of cheapies who are very playable, but um, until that's the case, I think you need to be a bit conservative with a lot of numbers from single teams. Um, wanted to have a quick chat, boys, just about um, just some early season strategy prior to um, Teamless Tuesday and and prior to round one. Obviously, everyone is all the all the all the serious players are very aware of the notion of value when it comes to picking players in the preseason. Everyone's priced to a particular average and. The idea being that you know you're buying value and those players are going to exceed that that average that they're priced at. But beyond that, some of your kind of premium guys, um, you know, they might, you know, they might not hit that average. Or and I wanted to get into your heads about. Um, I'll start with YouTube's about like these premium gun options like Nico, Harry, uh, Munster. You know, what, and what what's the kind of thinking in terms of going for those guys, given that they've got a very high price? Their, their prices are probably unlikely to be value, given they've got such good seasons. But 
they're obviously really popularly um, highly owned players. Um, and so I just wanted to a bit of an open discussion about that notion of um, uh, price versus value. Yeah. So I look at it in terms of there's the top 10 or you could call it actually the top top 12 players are all over just over 750k or Cam Murray's to 700 from last season. Um, so they're yep. coming in at 750k and even regardless of their positions, I just can't see how you can sort of carry in more than three of them maximum. So you could probably only carry in uh, two because if you carry it in more than three of them, then you're not giving yourself an opportunity to bring in those that are under underpriced. Uh, so those potentially the likes of the David Fafita that could could easily go back into that top 10, but he's currently out. Um, and so I've been thinking about it in terms of, you know, if I started the year with Nico Hines, Isaiah Papali, Joseph Manu, Harry Grant, it's just too much money for that none of them are really going to, I wouldn't think it'd be a shock if they went up in value. So I really think you just have to pick two of those sort of top premium price guns from that sort of first top 12. And, and then you're trying to find a bunch of sort of not mid ranges, but those high mid ranges in the 600,000 mark after that. And how would you distinguish those? So you're saying you might pick two and what, like what, how would you split them up? Would it be position? Would it be captaincy? How would you go about that? Uh, so for, I think it's just position. I think really you just pick who you want and then you you figure it out from there, to be honest. Like as in, so obviously Cleary and Hines are both in there. Do you go with the strategy of playing two halves, uh, going two halves, or do you or do you not do that? Um, Tedesco is in there, but you've got Turbo likely coming um, back, so you're probably not going Teddy and Luttrell. Um, so I really think you just got to pick who you like who you think has the best upside and potentially will hold that price and is going to get off to that fast start versus who you think has the highest potential to drop in value. So again, my opinion only, Papali and um, Joey Manu and Nico Hines, I think have the most potential to drop in value in the first four rounds. So I won't be starting with any of them. Dan, my approach is going to be, and I've actually been trying to think relatively deeply about this. Um, for these premium guns, you obviously you want as many as you can because they're all such good players. Um, but I'm trying to think through the ones that can hurt me really badly early versus the ones that can't. Um, so someone like Harry Grant, you know, he's clearly the best hooking option in Supercoach. Um, he's 800 plus K, 816K to start the season. I'm not really that worried about him um, pulling my pants down with 150 in the first three rounds. Um, he's obviously going to be someone I want later, um, but someone like Nico, who's priced at 900K off a you know, massive season last year, he's someone who could go large and really put a dent in my um, in my ranking early on if I don't own him. Is that anything similar to your thinking or are you on another page? No, that's very similar to my thinking. I, I basically look at it at which which of those top 12 guns are going to have a flyer to start the season. So you need you need to pick the guns that are going to go really well early on. Uh, going back to last year, I remember that's what that's what killed my trades early was sort of gun flipping. 
um, picking Cody Walker first round, had to flip him to Munster straight away. You know, that's yep. just it's it's there's no value in that trade whatsoever. It's just you had to do it with the the amount that Cody was going to go down. So I would be going which which guys which guns do I obviously rate? Who's going to have a good season? Who doesn't have an early buy? Uh, and then I look at it in terms of, I kind of look at the head-to-head by position. So, you know, Latrell Mitchell versus Tedesco. Um, I'm slightly leaning Latrell, uh, even though he's at a higher price, purely because he just doesn't have that earlier buy. Uh, and he's obviously got the yep. goal kick in, he's going to go well. Looking at, say, you know, the, the halves, you know, do you take, as as Dom alluded to, you've got... Hines and Cleary in the halves. You can certainly take them both, and I'll probably be leaning towards that. Uh, but I, I'm I'm also looking to go a little bit pottish and, and laying Cleary early on, and hopefully he has two really poor first games, or at least one really poor first game. Because if you get someone, say, like Jerome Hughes, and he has two big games out of the first three, uh, he's probably going to score more points than Cleary. So... I'm thinking around that, uh, and yeah, as you said, who's going to get off to a fly is probably the the number one for those gun picks. Nathan Cleary is an interesting one to be taking on because I think out of everyone, out of all the guns, um, he's pretty much the consensus pick uh, to start the season. He's 56.2% owned, which is only surpassed by Josh Schuster. So out of all the guns, he's he's the one that that uh, that everyone's that everyone's sort of banking on. He could also arguably hurt you the most, but we saw last year um, that he had runs of games where he didn't really hurt you by not owning. Um, he had a period, you know, he started with a 34 and a 57 last year in round four, which was when his, his first game was. And then um, in the middle of the year through rounds eight to 12, he had a high score of 88. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to happen again. I'm just saying that that's something that could come into your consideration you know, you've got to take some risks in this game, and and maybe that's maybe that's one worth thinking about. I haven't actually considered taking Cleary out of my team yet, but um, we'll certainly have a, a deeper thought as we come in to close to the season. Tubes um, away from those premium guys is is your thinking purely then only on um, players who are out, who are going to outperform how they're priced? Yeah, so then it's it's about looking at who potentially had a down year last year. What was the reason for it? Who are who's been on the precipice of being a super coach gun and has changed role or position or team this year, um, and trying to find trying to find that value uh, across the board there. And I think it's also worth saying it's worth thinking about how much those guns you think will outperform others in their position. So you could make an argument for Harry Grant because he's just far and away such a good hooker compared to yep. everything else. I mean, but the obvious one there is B. Smith. Everyone thinks he could become a elite gun if he gets 80 minutes at the Roosters. Um, but similar, someone like Dylan Brown, he's priced at um, 780K. How much better is he going to be than the closest 5'8 this year? Or is he even going to be? Like, how much better is he going to be than someone like Cody who had a down year last year, or Burton, or Dewey, or Ponga, if he ends up being a five-eight. So I think it all comes down to, yeah, thinking about that um, as to which ones you're going to look at laying um, from the guns to start the year. Something you said there uh, clicked to my mind as well. Um, 
we talk about averages a lot, and that's kind of all I hear in, in off-season chat is uh, he's, this was his average and um, he's priced at this. So um, we think we, he can outperform that. So I think there's a couple of things you'd need to consider there. One is, yes, they need to be able to average higher than their priced so they go up in value, whole basic premise of the game. The second part, though, is um, it's not just about average. It's guys who have a ceiling too. So yeah. if, 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 someone, if someone has a ton in them and they're priced in the 300s, like that has to come into your thinking. Now, even if you think maybe they've got that floor, um, you know, you might not want to play them every week. It might still be like if you've got a deep enough squad to sit them maybe. But when that week they hit that ton, whether it be through a, you know, a couple of, couple of meat pies or um, tackle breaks or whatever it might be, I think that upside needs to factor into your selection there. Dan, is that something that, that, um, that you're keen on or, you, or are you just purely about the, the average value? Uh, it depends on position, I think. So I'd probably look for... For second row, front row forwards, I'd look more towards the average value. So do I think they're underpriced? Do I think they're going to be consistently better than that price, um, particularly early on? And then I'd probably look at the the ceilings on the, the center wings and halves and fullbacks. So, you know, the one that stands out to everyone, and I, I, I think it's he should be in most sides, is Tommy Turbo, like, you know, if he's fully fit, that's it's unbelievable value for him. He's got a massive ceiling. He's got a great average as well. But uh, as you said, there's a few center wings in the kind of 250 to 350 mark who lots of people are looking at. And if you can find those guys with a, with a bit of a ceiling or a good run early on uh, and they're going to make you a quick 150K, that they're the ones I'd kind of be looking for in terms of ceilings. But yeah, looking looking pretty rock solid, safe in the in the front row, front uh, second row, and, and hooker position. Interesting stat on Tommy Turbo. He's priced at a fifty five average at five seventy seven k, and in twenty twenty one he averaged one hundred forty three, which is roughly um, <laughs> two point seven five times his, his price. <laughs> Right yeah, now. I mean, um, I've never, yeah. I've never seen some, someone with so much, so much value. Like, you know, even if he has an average year, he, he can average a hundred. So, yeah, I think it's even, even with all his troubles, you know, hamstring injury, you know, I, I mean, you just, you just got to have him this year. He's my biggest lock. Tubes. Um, before we get to our our locks and our early preseason locks and avoids. Um, just wanted to ask you a quick one. I know we were chatting about it earlier. Just wanted to get your take on the cheapy scene. We spoke quickly about that, you know, I think it's probably the right place to, you know, have a bit of a view of who the cheapies might be, but don't don't lock yourself into any sort of cheapy strategy just yet. Yeah. I think as of right now, you just pick your team and you just put cheapies in. But the reality is it's all going to change on Team List Tuesday. So I think – the next few pods we're going to do some positional analysis and I'm sort of putting up that we don't even talk about the cheapies because they talked about so much. Um, but really, it, none of it matters until who gets named to start and where they get named to start. I've been hearing on other, you know, pods and, and again, listening to other pods probably made me want to get, get back out there to on, on our one just to hearing the same thing 50 times on 50 different pods. Um, but lots of talk about Hammer, you know, and, and him being a, not an option and different things like that. And 
like the reality is let's just wait and see where people are named and, and where it ends up. Tessie New could be named at fullback um, for the for the Dolphins and you've and you've spent all this time talking about the hammer. But yeah, so yeah. that's my sort of thoughts on cheapies. Um, but certainly extending on what you're talking about, that mids mid ranger, I think that's where you can do a lot of pre season investigation and find out which ones you want to go from a flyer perspective because it is about season-long averages, but especially in that center wing position, if you can find someone that averaged 50 last year, but if you can get that they have a high ceiling, they could start the year off averaging 90 to, to 100, and you're probably trading them out after four or five rounds, and, and that sort of get, gets you away for, for what you're looking for. I'll, just on top of that, um, I almost think that, you know, it's hard because the game is you know so well set up online to move players in and out of your team, see what it looks like, moving the puzzle pieces around. But I honestly think at this stage of the preseason, you're better off just having a long watch list of guys who you find interesting and who could work your way into their side because I think this year more than any, uh, the cheapy structure is going to be really fundamental to how you set your side up because there's an extra team which means there's you know, an extra you know, block of 25 players who are available in the game, and uh, there's going to be there's going to be cheap guys dotted across the competition. There's no doubt. But what we don't know at the moment is, and I think this is really clear, we don't know where they're going to bob up in terms of positions. So like there's guys like Sonny Luke who have been touted as you know a really good hooker cheapy. I've got him at the moment. You know neither here nor there if he's going to be in my team, but he's he's there for now. Um, you know, we have no, like the center wing pitcher is really unclear. Second row cheapy pitcher is, you know, relatively unclear. So I, I would just encourage anyone kind of listening just not to worry, getting too set up on, um, you know, what your team looks like at the moment and just, just getting those players on the watch list who who might be interested um, because it's very easy to forget them. So uh, there's a good watch list feature, so I would suggest using it. Send him off! Send the drifting guys off! All right, let's get into um, our locks to start the season. Now, it's um, I know I've just spent the last minute talking about don't get too locked into your team, but there are certain players who haven't left my 17, and I know that's the same for you boys. So, Dan, we'll, we'll kick off for you. Which players have been locked into your team for most of the preseason and you can't see them getting out before round one? So the big one, which I think will be in, in everyone's, is um, <clears throat> the cheese. Again, um, everyone loves watching him. He's, a, he's an absolute superstar. If he's if he's got that high minute hooking role with the Roosters, I think he'll be uh, he'll be great value. And and he hasn't left my side since I, since I made my first one. Uh, we've touched on Turbo. Don't really want to go through that again. He's 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 there locked in. The, the just on Turbo, I, Dan. Just Dan. Dan. Sorry. Just on Turbo. Um, it's just worthwhile touching on for a sec because there are a couple of circumstances where he could. He's been said that he's going to be right for round one, but if he doesn't play round one, they've got the buy round two. So I, if he didn't play round one, I, you wouldn't start with him, would you? No. No. I'd, I'd probably make it. Too important a position. Bringing him in, bringing him in round three. Uh, unless unless that injury cloud is, is sufficient enough uh, where they're saying, yeah, he's obviously, he's, he might be out for a longer or he's a, he's a touch and go sort of thing. I'd be, I'd be, if he didn't start round one, I wouldn't be picking him, but I'd, I'd have some, some plans as soon as he comes back to try to get him in early. Yeah. Uh, and then the the big one that I've locked in 
that's not necessarily value at his price, but I just think he's going to have an absolute storm of a storm of a start. Uh, with Cowboys' great run, uh, I've locked in Val Holmes. So, uh, you know, absolute weapon, goal kicker. You know, base stats are very good. Uh, Cowboys, I think, are just going to get better and better. They obviously had a good year last year, but you know, a lot of young players that are up and coming. Good forward pack. It seems like a bit of a set. Uh, back uh, back line now as well, so uh, yeah, he's he's the big lock for me this this start of the Soupy season. One guy who um, he's on my lock in list, and I've seen I can see here that he's on yours. Is um, it's a bit of a controversial one because I don't think it's shared. He's not that highly owned. Is Tohu Harris from the Warriors? So he's six hundred and forty k dual second row front row. I really, I mean, he he was such a gun for the for the past sort of five years in Supercoach and this role that he, he's, he's got at the Warriors, you know, through the middle, a little bit of edge, sort of that 70-minute role. Uh, I think he looks locked in um, to that again. Now, they've they've got a bit of depth in their back row, um, particularly guys like Nia Kore, um, Dylan Walker's there on the bench now. You'd have to think he comes on and plays a bit of middle. I just can't see Tohu's been named captain again. The coach has come out and said how important he is to this team. I can't see that role changing. I just can't see how he has a he has a poor year, and I'm really happy to lock him in. I just have to decide whether it's second row or front row. But his um, his value through that origin period as well, you know, he's just a set and forget through you know, you know, as long as he doesn't totally blow it or get injured, you know, he's someone you can rely on through that buy period as well. Yeah, I, I really like him at, at front row forward. So if you can fit him in there, I think he's he's a great option with the with the jewel. Really helps. Uh, he's coming off an ACL, um, not last year, the year before. So I think he's just going to be fitter this year. Uh, we know what sort of versatility he has in the, in the team and he has the ability to sometimes get over for a try. Lots of offloads and his, and his work put, work output is, is tremendous. So uh, at 640K in comparison to, to some of the other options, uh, I, I think he will be uh, definite top two front row forwards for the year. Um, I'm, I'm, I think some of the other front row forwards performed out of their skin last year and a bit too high a value uh, with the likes of uh, Joey Tapanay and uh, Tino, big Tino. So, yeah, I, I really like him this year and I think he's, uh, he's just going to lead that Warriors pack. Yeah, no doubt those guys will be options at some point, um, particularly, you know, Joey's got the ceiling um, and Tino's got the offload. So if he gets that going, but, yeah, I think to start the season, you're, you're right, I'll be looking at those guys sort of, around origin time and post-origin for Tino's perspective. Yeah, so I think we're pretty aligned, Dan. Tohu locked, cheese locked, turbo locked. Feeling good about those boys. Tubes, I'm more looking forward to your take on segment, but let's start with your ta- let's start with your locks. Who have you got locked in to, to kick off the year? Yeah, so I've got um we already spoke about him. Cleary for me is a is a lock. Um I know he had a bit of a a down year uh, in a in last year for him, which was still pretty unbelievable. But um, for me, it just feels like too big of a risk to try and take him on. Uh, and I actually think he'll have a positive impact with Appy being out of the team this year, him taking on even more. And mm. I think that'll be good for him. I don't know about that. Appy, Appy looked for him a lot. Um, and, you know, rookie rookie hooker. Uh, regardless, it, it sort of stifles go forward a little bit as well, I think. So where Appy provided some some very quick ball. So I think 
it it might not hurt him too much, but I don't think it's going to help him not have an happy there. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I My second one, though, is uh, David Fafita. I think everything, like I, I talked about him plenty last year, felt like everything went wrong. Unfortunately, they didn't get rid of the coach and get in someone new. Um, but I'm probably reinvigorated looking at his stats from last year because it genuinely feels throughout the whole year, how could anything, how could it be any worse for David Fafita last year? And he's still Very gone through, he's still gone through an average, what, 66 across the year. So he's, um, he's got, he's one of those players that I was talking about before, really high upside, doesn't really matter who he's playing, but they do have a pretty good start to the year with West Tigers into St. George first two games. So if he's coming out fit and fired up, um, I think he could be one that just absolutely explodes to start the year. So he's definitely going to be in my team. I think he's a must-have. And my third lock-in. Yeah. Jubes, Jubes, just on Fafida, if you don't mind. Um, just a quick couple on him. Uh, one of the big um, points of contention last year was he's playing on the right, and that used to frustrate the hell out of you particularly, I remember. Um, he's going to be on the right again by the looks, playing outside Tanner Boyd. Um, do you see, are you comfortable enough with that? Um, yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts there. I just can't like. Look, I'm I'm going to be frustrated again, but regardless of whether he's on the right or the left, I can't believe that they've spent an off season looking at the tape and thinking, "Let's keep giving him <laughs> as little ball as we gave him last year," or "Let's go with the strategy of using him as a decoy runner to the sweeping plays out the yeah. back." So well, it's the same coach. Can't can't be any worse in terms well, of that. So yeah, maybe maybe they're looking at. I, I think we're gonna. Need, you know, you know, he needs. He might need a bit more rest on the bench this year. So you just don't know. I I am looking at not having him just for the mental health break. Like it was it was so frustrating owning him all last year, just knowing his potential and just just seeing when Tano did come in late in the season, he didn't throw him much balls as well. He was still that decoy option option. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm just taking a mental health. Yeah, they've had the full preseason though, surely. Yeah. And my final lock-in, and the thing, the good thing about these locks-in is no one has to hold me accountable to them, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> uh, my final lock-in is uh, from the Broncos, and I think the Broncos have a – they've got the Panthers in round one, but after that they've got quite a good start up until sort of round seven, so – um, I think you mentioned Matt because of the women's World Cup, uh, so the women's soccer World Cup, and they they're using SunCorp, so they're going to have a lot of home games yeah. early in the year. The Broncos, and so their first six of their eight games are in Queensland. So once you get through the Panthers round one, um, I think the having a few Broncos is going to be is going to be healthy, and I'm going to be looking to start the year with Katoni Stags um, as a lock-in option. Another one who's priced in the 500, so he's not a cheapie, but I think he's got high upside versus his average last year and definitely is one that has a 140-plus in in the bank. Yeah, so the Broncos only play away. Um, They play away round one against Penrith, as you said, really tough game. But then they don't leave um, southeast Queensland until round eight. Yeah, and so so they're – yeah. And and that's and then they've got two more games at Suncorp in round nine and ten. Yeah. So and, dur- 
and during like that time they play the Dolphins, the Tigers, the Titans, and St. George Illawarra. Yeah, it's yeah, very he's, juicy. He's one, of those, um, he's, he's one of those guys, Tubes, that has that high ceiling. So you're really banking in on 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 going well and having a few high-scoring high games. Um, I think I was looking through his stats out of the interest and uh, he hasn't he hasn't averaged above 50 when he's played over 15 games for a season so you know whether yeah, that's he's pretty, he's pretty he, frustrating if he has a, if he has some small games and then you know small sample size and has these big blowout scores that's making him look like he's a 60 averager whereas when he's played a lot of the games through the season he's actually averaging about that 50 which is i think where he's about priced so yeah i i don't mind him as a as a as an option uh, but I would be very frustrated if he's not getting two tons in those first first six games. Yeah, he's just a wait and see for me, um, mainly around how, how I want to structure my spend in the centre wing. Uh, my lock, so the we mentioned Dan, a lot of yours were the same as mine, Toad, Cheese and Turbo. My only other one that I've got locked in at the moment um, is Adam Dewey from West Tigers. Now, he's at 5'8" only this year. He had been centre wing last year, which was um, a lot of fun. Um, he is priced at $624,000. Now, that's not cheap. Uh, it's about a 60 average. Um, but what I like about Dewey is just the way that he plays his footy and the re- the reliance that the Tigers have on him in attack. He kind of does it all. He, he runs it. He'll pass it. He can tackle bus. He crabs across field. Um, I just love his game for Super Coach, and um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to having him in my team to start the year. I'm having a few headaches over who to partner with him. Um, I got Birdo at the moment, but that's far from locked. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I just think that at that price, the Tigers hopefully can improve a little bit. Not, but I don't think he, they even need to that much. I think he can still score well, regardless. And um, yeah, I've I've. Very, very happy at that price. I think I think he's very, you know, reasonably priced as a as a low tier premium gun. Oh. Fierce to the right, inside. Oh, Bateman, Bateman. Wow. Yes, yes, Canberra. All right, let's get on to our take ons to finish us off for tonight, Dan. Uh, you get a couple of popular take on players here. Yeah, so. I think he's at about 15% ownership now. I've heard a lot of chat about him, how he's going to be the starting half with a goal kicking this year, uh, which on paper sounds good. A goal kicking half who's playing 80 minutes. Not in a great side, uh, the Gold Coast Titans. So I'm uh, I'm happy to take on Tanner Boyd. Uh, I know he's ne- I mean he's never really been a superstar of Supercoach. Uh, it's really on on the potential with this goal kicking. Uh, and I think you were spruiking him a little bit last year, Matt, back end of season when he was a decent value. Uh, and he had a couple of good I got good laughed games. out of the pod. Yeah, he, he had a couple of good games, to be honest. But, I mean, I, I can actually see Justin Holbrook potentially, after a few losses, him scoring, you know, 30, 40 points max. Uh, Tanner Boyd goes back to the bench, you know, loses the goal kicking. I think that's certainly an option. So, I, I think... I'm at the price he is. I'm just willing to wait and see what happens. There's there's no point in to, in starting with him for me for the season. Yeah, I mean you can you could pick him up. You could pick him up round three. You know, yeah. same price if he's. It's unlikely he's going to go one twenty, one twenty 
<laughs> and then you're, like, you're already behind the eight ball and you've got to get him he's in. Not gonna, he's not going to hurt you early on. He could absolutely kill you. Like how do, how do you say he's your second half and then you're looking at Cleary's had a stormer, Hines has had a stormer. To well, get Cleary has a buy in round three as well. Yeah. So, but say he has, it goes really well. Like you would have to downgrade a gun somewhere else just to get the cash to upgrade them to one of those guys because they're, they're 400 plus thousand more than him. So I think he could potentially be an absolute trap and you're just stuck with him. Dual uh, position. You don't have dual position. Yeah. But you know, it's, you're still going to find that cash somewhere if you're spending it all to I, start the season. I think if he had better job security, I'd be really keen. Because of that jewel, there's not many jewels like his hooker halfback jewel that could be really useful. I quite like him at the price. Uh, if he's goal kicking, I can't really see how he doesn't hit that average. He's also got, you know, he's got he scores tries. Like I think he's got a relatively friendly super coach game. But he's got Fafita running really, off him. Got Fafita running off it. Well, he he'll get a TC for putting Fafita over. <laughs> it's a bit of a bit of that under twelve who, style. But um, who do you reckon the 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 best team to play this year will be Supercoach from a points wise perspective. What NRL team do you think oh, will give up the most? Super the Coach obvious points? has to be the obvious has to be Dolphins. Yeah, and then the second, so outside of the Dolphins, for me is the St George Illawarra Dragons, and they play them twice in the first six rounds. So I'm just yep. I'm banking on Titans like scoring a few points I suppose yep. and so I think if he if he if he's a hundred percent has the kick in I think you'll be in my side. Yeah, there'll be you want to hear some noise out of the camp too in terms of what they're thinking. Like, is he going to get an extended run? Um, what's Toby Sexton doing? Um, you know, just hear, listen, keep an ear close to the ground for those murmurings. Uh, Dan, who else have you got on the on the taking on list? Um. I just, I just can't find room for Harry Grant in the side. Uh, now the, the rumours around Sonny Luke potentially starting for Panthers. And as we talk about Cheese, Cheese is a complete lock-in. So very, I mean, unless maybe Cheese somehow gets a duel, which I think he probably should, but he hasn't got it at the moment. Um, I, I, I've got those two locked into my hooking role. So I think you might have touched on it already, but Harry doesn't have the huge, huge ceiling that some of the other guys does. He'll, he'll still be the best hooker overall. He'll still have a very good average. Uh, he's still great to have in your side, but I think just to start the season, I'm going to take him on. Yep, yep, I'm on board with that. Um, just on Sonny Luke, you mentioned there, uh, the, the rumour's not that he'll start, the rumour's that he'll get that sort of appy role, play 55 minutes, um, yep. relieving Mitch Kenny after 20. Um, so, Mitch Kenny's actually been quite popular, but I think he'll play a very similar role that he did last year, and he's just not a super coach um, friendly player, in my opinion. Um, final one for you, Dan. A name that's been oh. on everyone's lips in the preseason. Yeah, Hammer Time. <laughs> I've owned him in in parts uh, of I've watched him intently playing games. He he dodges contact. He 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 passes it on. He's got some moments of absolute brilliance. Uh, but most of the time he's missing in games. So playing for potentially most likely the, the worst team in the comp, uh, I, I'm very happy to leave him at his price at the moment. I talked about Hammer just before. Just for those and... who are relatively new to, new to the game, just sorry, just for those who are relatively new to the game, that uh, you're talking about the Dolphins fullback. Um, Jesus, what's his name? Hammerso Tabby Fido. 
Hamaso <laughs> Tabuai Fido. And I talked before about he's everyone's been talking about him, but I just think it's one of those things that wait until team list Tuesday, not even to know if he's named at fullback, even though he might not be. It's it really just comes down to how many cheapies there are in center wing, like that that are yeah. that are worth sort of getting. Um, because you're gonna have to find some. Do I do I want Hammer in my side to start the year? No. Would I have him if there's not that many cheapies around? Do I think he's going to do better than his average at his price of 330k? Yes, but I wouldn't still wouldn't want him and still wouldn't want him in my 17. But we'll just yeah, see, this, what, the, see the what the other the options are. The having to play in the 17 is a big one. The only good thing about the hammer is that he's got a big ceiling. Like yeah. he could pull off a ton. Not without too many problems, I think. Um, yeah, like I, I'm yeah. neither here nor there on hammer at the I'm moment. Putting, yeah, I'm not putting my. No, he needs a hat He needs a hat trick. Yeah. So to get yeah. a hat trick play for the Dolphins is going to be very tough. Don't get me wrong, Dan. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not putting my fork in the sand either way. So I think it's just a bit of a dot ball on the fence type call from you. That's all. Yeah, um, sure. Speaking we'll skip of over dot Harry ball Tube, on the fence, he's, he's on your yeah. he's on your list. I see. Yeah, so I had Harry as well, Dan. So good call. Um, uh, my next one is uh, mentioned him earlier in the pod. I'm Lane Nico, um, career year at the Sharks last year, Dally M Player of the Year. Had went over triple figures six times last year. He'll probably prove me wrong, and I'll be scrambling how to get him in, sort of from round four onwards, but. At this point, he's at the price that I'm happy to lay him at uh, compared to other guns and and sort of risk um, that he's going to have a bit of a regression. It's a bit of a catch-22 because I hope he doesn't from a Sharks fan perspective. Um, but obviously they've got uh, South Sydney round one, Parramatta round two, Canberra round three. Not the hardest, not the easiest. So I'm happy to see how he looks over after those first three rounds before potentially getting him in after. Pretty a hard to get drop. in. He's pretty hard to get in. That's the big thing for Nico. If you you kind of you kind of go on, you, you don't have him, and it's kind of like you got to you got to move a few mountains to get him in. Then. Yeah, I mean it's it's all relative to how the rest of your team sort of panning out and whether you're getting rid of anyone else. I know Dan said before flipping. Um, Guns, but anyway, happy to lay Nico. And as I said earlier, I'll be playing Cleary. So, and then the next one I'm laying, uh, honestly, not even happy about mentioning this because I do want him in my side. He's a gun, but Cam Murray, uh, he's just, uh, <laughs> he's too good looking, I guess. I don't know what to even say about him. He's, I, Genuinely, I just think I feel he's like you're regretting. I feel like you're regretting this one. He's 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 750k or um 749 something. Thereabouts. Um 750k, yep. and I just I can't see his output being so much better than saying Angus Crichton, who's going to be on the left with um uh Kiri. Or even back to a bit of a gun of Ola Kawatu, who obviously had um, a, a down back half of the year after everything happened um, at the Seagulls. So I, it's this is more of a lay of nothing to do with Cam Murray, but more to do with those others that are there at the position uh, a bit cheaper. Yeah. I can see your reasoning there. You're gonna you're gonna lay him to potentially get a hundred k to spend elsewhere, basically. Yeah. 
So hopefully someone like an Olaquatu or David Fafida, someone in that sort of mid 600s can kind of match him. Uh, yeah. And then, you, and then you're using that 100K elsewhere. That's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, thing, the only thing about him at, in that in that price range, Tube, sorry, the only thing about him in that price range, I feel like his um, his variance is lower than some of these other picks, even like for feed arc, right? And, um, you know, I just feel like you know what you're going to get with Murray and 750K is a lot. Like I, I, he's not in my team at the moment, but, geez, I'd love to own him. Um, and he's got a ceiling. He seems to go better the harder the draw. Just everything about him screams get me in the team. Dan? Yeah, without yeah, without injury, you're probably disappointed if he's getting under 65. Um, and that's on a quiet day without doing much. So whereas, yeah, the likes of maybe Fafita or, or Crichton can, can get a 40 on a quiet day um, if things don't go their way. Yep. So but he's just got such a good good work output. It's really only pending injury, and I, I don't think they'll be saving him early on in the season, so he'll probably play big minutes straight up. Yep, yep. Jubes, we'll finish the pod tonight with your final take on. I don't have really much to add. I've, I've got Harry on my list to take on but as well, but this is one who we've already spoken about, but on the other side. Yeah, so I thought I'd put this in because I noticed Dan had it as his lock-in, uh, and that's big Val Holmes. Um, I can't see how you would start with Val other than the Cowboys have an easy draw, but he's priced at 730K and center wing, you can just find so many that are potentially going to go on a run. I just can't see buying a premium. I had a quick look through his last years and he wasn't even, his big scores weren't always even against easy run teams. He finished the year with 133 against the Panthers he started the year with 16 against the Bulldogs. So I'm not sure whether or not the the good run – I mean, sorry, I am sure the good run will be favourable for him, but I just think he has a very low, a few low scores in him and I'm taking him on to start start off the year, waiting for a few price drops. Like, yes, centre wing's tough for me this year. It's really tough. I cannot find anyone else that I want that I think is going to have an absolute flyer who's, who's value. So – I mean, I've I've got Val and basically cheapies or a couple of mid rangers that potentially are starting, but I I cannot find anyone else who I see as value. So I just sort of have him as a as a lock who who's going to average sixty seventy, even if he if he doesn't go for those big tons, I think he's still going to have a high average and it's and a good run is just a bonus. So he fi- he feels like a bit of a luxury to me at this point. I mean. I- yeah, don't get me wrong, I'd love to own him, but I'm probably erring on the side of tubes against you there, Dan. Um, I think he'd, he'd be pretty lucky to find his way into my side to start the year. Uh, all right, that'll do us for tonight. Um, ripping first pod, boys. Thank you very much. Um, we're looking forward to getting stuck into a few more pods throughout the preseason, trying to keep everyone updated on on what's going on in Supercoach land. Uh, really looking forward to a big year. So, uh, tubes, thanks for joining us tonight. You beauty. Dan, thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend. Cheers, Maddie. Cheers, boys.